Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, June 2nd, 2019, on the basis of Acts 1, verses 1 through 11. Is this all there is? If you've ever been bothered by, maybe even tormented by that question, rest assured you're not alone. In fact, I'd maybe guess that at the moments in our lives when that question occurs to us, we might picture moments like the one captured on the front of your service folder today. That every single day seems to be just like the last. You wake up, you drive, you work, you eat, you work some more, you drive again, you eat again, you watch some TV, you stare at your phone for a while, you go to sleep, You wake up the next morning and it's the same thing all over again. Round and round it goes. And no matter how many times it goes around, you never seem to be making progress. You never seem to be getting anywhere. And so it's no wonder that that question might occur to us. Is this all there is? Well, believe it or not, that's not the only thing that might cause a person to ask that question. Jack Higgins is the name of a British author who writes spy novels. In fact, his most famous novel was written in 1975. It's entitled The Eagle Has Landed. All told, Jack Higgins has written 85 different novels that have sold 150 million copies and have been translated into 55 different languages. That's a pretty successful career for an author. And yet one time Jack Higgins was asked if there's anything that he knows now that he wishes he knew when he was younger. And he said, yes. I wish I knew then what I know now, that when you get to the top, there's nothing there. Turns out we are not easily satisfied with this desire that our lives would have meaning and significance. Turns out our hearts were made to desire big things for our lives and for ourselves. And so it's no wonder That whether on the one hand you feel like you're going round and round, spinning your wheels in place, or whether you feel like you've already made it to the top and accomplished all of your life's goals, that at some point you might be haunted by that question, is this all there is? Today we're going to find an answer to that question in, I think, sort of a surprising place. We're going to be talking about Jesus' ascension. Forty days after Jesus rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven And Jesus' ascension sort of seems like the end of the story, the big grand finale for Jesus' life here on this earth. And yet what we're going to see is that that event, Jesus' ascension, gives our lives a meaning and a significance. Whether we feel like we're spinning our wheels in place or whether day by day it feels like we're tackling one more of our major life's goals, it gives us a meaning and a significance that is bigger than and independent of our circumstances. As we look at Jesus' ascension, we might be tempted to think, well, well, this is it. This is the end. There's nothing more than this. But right as we're about to think that, these words from Acts chapter 1 interrupt us and deliver this message. Wait, there's more. Now, I realize that when some of you hear those words, wait, there's more, there's a voice that pops into your head. And it might even be the voice of Billy Mays, the infomercial guy. As in, but wait, there's more. If you act now, you'll get an extra set of super-duper magic knives thrown in for free. So two sets of knives for the price of one. What a deal. Well, believe it or not, before there was ever such a thing as an infomercial, the biblical author named Luke sort of did that very same thing. Let me explain. 
So when you hear that name Luke, maybe the first thing that comes to mind is the book of the Bible that's known as Luke. Yes, in fact, Luke is the one who wrote the book of Luke. It's the story of Jesus' life that tells about his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven. And that book of Luke was addressed to a man by the name of Theophilus. Just a minute ago, you heard the very last words, the very ending of that book known as Luke. And it told us how Jesus went up into heaven, how his disciples stayed on earth and were overjoyed, how they stayed in Jerusalem worshiping God. In other words, it sort of seems like this is the end of the story. The hero has swept in to save the day. After doing so, he rode off into the sunset. All the people live happily ever after. The end. And so I can't help but think that this guy named Theophilus was just a little bit surprised when one day the UPS truck pulls up in front of his door and there's a box for him, a box that is from his friend named Luke. And on that box is written, Volume 2. The book of the Bible that we know as Acts. And as Theophilus unrolled that scroll and began to read, you heard what he read. In my former book, in other words, in Luke, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. Did you catch the key word? Luke is saying, yes, I wrote you one volume already that told you about everything that Jesus did, how he paid for our sins how he defeated the devil, how he destroyed the power of death. And I told you about everything that Jesus taught, how he revealed the truth about God, how he exposed the lies of the devil. I've already told you all of that, but wait, there's more. There's a sequel. That's not the end of the story. In fact, Jesus was just getting started. Now I'm going to tell you, about everything that Jesus has been doing and has been teaching now that he's gone up into heaven. In other words, Jesus' ascension doesn't mark the end of his work. Jesus' ascension actually marks the beginning of his work, according to Luke. Of course, now Jesus carries out that work in a little bit of a different way, and that's where you and I come into the story. So I want you to go back to that question that sometimes haunts us and torments us, that question... Is this all there is? What do you think, hypothetically speaking, would give you a satisfactory answer to that question? Would convince you once and for all that, yes, your life does in fact truly matter, that it has meaning and significance? What if, for example, instead of being just one of many employees at your company, you were the boss, you were in charge of it all, calling all of the shots? Would that do it? What if you were a doctor, part of a team carrying out some very exciting cutting-edge research just about to discover the cure for cancer? Would that do it? What if you were some sort of scientist or engineer working on a, a new invention, a new piece of technology that was going to change life for people forever? What if you were some sort of influential politician working in Washington, working in Congress to finally settle one of the many politically divisive issues present in our day. Would that do it? Would that be enough? I wouldn't dream of standing up in front of you today and saying that none of those things is big or none of those things is important, nor would I dream of saying to you that the things that you're actually involved with in your day-to-day lives are neither big nor important. But I will say to you, without a moment's doubt or hesitation, 
that as big as any of those things might be, you are actually part of something far, far bigger. Luke tells us what that is. And it certainly, certainly is a shame that so often we live as though that's not true. We forget. We live as though that second letter never showed up at Theophilus' house. We live as though Jesus lived, he died, he rose, he ascended into heaven, and that's nice. That lets us know where we're going for our future. That's no, that lets us know where we're going to spend eternity. But then we start looking around. We start sort of twiddling our thumbs a little bit. We look at our watches and say, boy, it seems like we've got some time to kill until he comes back. So what should we be doing? What should we be up to? What should we find that would give our lives meaning and significance? And so we tell ourselves that if we can just get these grades or make this team or get into this school, that if we can just get this job or this promotion or this house, that'll do it. Believe it or not, even for me as a pastor, it's easy to think things like, boy, if, if our little church in this little place can just do this little thing, if we can just grow to a certain size, if we can just get land and put up a building, if we can just get to the point where we can stand on our own two feet, then we'll know that it all was worthwhile, that it all mattered. It's no wonder that so often, whether we succeed at those things or whether we are just spinning our wheels, that that question eventually comes back, is this really all there is. So often the things that we tell ourselves are going to give our lives meaning and significance are just too small. There's more. We are part of something bigger. Jesus continues to battle against our enemies. He continues to destroy sin, to destroy the devil, to defeat the power of death. He continues to reveal the truth about God in our world and expose the lies of the devil in our world. Only now he is doing so through us. What could possibly be bigger than that? It is no surprise, by the way, that movie series like The Avengers and TV shows like Game of Thrones are so popular in our country. It's because these stories of big, epic Sagas, universal, supernatural battles between good and evil. Those stories captivate people's hearts. We want to believe that this is what life is about. And Jesus' ascension means that it is. That it's that kind of story that you and I are a part of. Jesus' ascension doesn't mark the end of his work. Jesus' ascension marks the beginning. Okay, so what does that mean we're supposed to do? Some of you might already be asking yourselves that question. In fact, I don't think there's a more American question to ask than that. I recently came across a, an interesting quotation where the author said that there is a single form of literature, a, a single genre of writing that is more purely and proudly American than any other, a type of literature that uniquely identifies us as a society. Do you know what it is? The to-do list. That's the question we all want to know, right? Whether it's our doctor or our financial advisor or a coach or a teacher or a preacher. Tell me what I am supposed to do. And yes, Jesus' words do answer that question. Jesus does tell his disciples what they are to be doing. And even though their role in Jesus' work is a little bit unique and, and therefore different from ours, really Jesus' words to them do also apply to us. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. In other words, you know something. You've seen something. And when given the opportunity, when called to testify, testify. 
Tell what you know. Tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Jesus also says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. So Jesus isn't going to leave us alone to help him in this work of testifying. In fact, he's going to send the expert witness, the Holy Spirit, the person who knows everything that there is to know about God, and he's actually going to send the Holy Spirit not just to live alongside of us, but to live inside of our hearts to give us power as we do this testifying. So yes, Jesus does very much tell us what we are supposed to do, but that's not the main point of Jesus' words that I want to focus on. In fact, I don't think it's even the main point of Jesus' words. Notice how Jesus says what he says. He says, you will be my witnesses and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Not you may or you might, not you should or you ought or you must, not could you, would you, pretty, pretty, please. No, he just says you, you will. You will be my witnesses. You will receive power. See, on the one hand, Jesus' ascension does not signal that his work is done, his work is finished, but in another way, it very much does signal that it is. Yes, Jesus continues to do and to teach just like he did and he taught while he was here on this earth, but that's not to give us the impression as if somehow the results of that work and the outcome of this battle are still uncertain or up in the air. No, the results are already in. The, the outcome has already been determined. Jesus has defeated all of our enemies for us. Jesus has exposed the devil's lies and revealed the truth about God. What that means is that as we carry out our work, as he continues to do that work through us, never once do we need to worry that somehow we might mess it up or that somehow things might all come unraveled, that somehow it might all go wrong. If that were even a possibility of being the case, do you think Jesus would have chosen us to be his partners in this work in the first place? No, instead, the outcome of that work is already decided. Those enemies that we are fighting against, you know what those enemies are like? Those enemies are like a fighter who is in that in-between stage between receiving that vicious uppercut right to the jaw and being knocked unconscious and the point where they actually hit the mat and fall to the floor. Those enemies are going down. And everybody knows it. They know it. We know it. It's obvious they've been dealt a fatal blow. And what we get to do is, while they're on their way down, we get to deliver a few more jabs. In fact, we get to just stand there and pummel them time after time again, even laughing in their face, knowing that they have already been rendered defenseless against us, defenseless to be able to stop us or hurt us. And those lies that Jesus wants us to expose, those lies have already been exposed. The truth has already been revealed. And so those lies, even though many people still believe them, those lies are sort of like ideas like this. Ideas like that the earth is flat or that the sun revolves around the earth instead of the other way around. Ideas like Elvis is still alive out there somewhere or that the moon landing was nothing more than a big hoax. Yes, there are people that still believe those things, but, but all of those have been exposed as lies. And so as we carry out our work of speaking the truth of God's word, never once do we have to worry that somehow we'll be proven false or that we'll be shown to be just a bunch of kooks. No, we can be confident that whenever we proclaim the truth of the Bible, we are speaking the truth. Do you see the beauty of this? Do you see the ability of both of these things to give us a meaning and a significance that can actually satisfy our hearts? That on the one hand, Jesus' ascension marks just the beginning of his work, that he is continuing to do and to teach, to fight back our enemies and expose the devil's lies, and he is doing so through us. But on the other hand, the outcome of that battle has already been decided. It is certain 
Jesus' ascension guarantees how this work is going to end. But wait, there's more. One more guarantee in these verses. Did you catch it? This one doesn't actually come from the lips of Jesus. Instead, it came from the lips of those angels. As the disciples were standing there looking up into the sky, wondering what maybe happened to Jesus, the angels said, This same Jesus, whom you have seen go into heaven, will come back. Not might, not may, not plans to, not hopes to, not is thinking about, he will come back. He will bring this epic cosmic battle to a grand and glorious end one day. He will come to bring us to our permanent land of rest. He will bring us to that place where we never ever have to ask again, is this all there is? Because no matter how many days we have spent in that perfect paradise, whether it's our first day or our zillionth day in heaven, we can know one thing with absolute certainty, there's still more. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.